Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to sunrise on this beautiful, warm spring day. God is good. Creation is alive, and it is good to be here together worshiping our King, our risen King. Uh, welcome to also our some guests we have today for the baptism. So excited to see you guys with us. And welcome to all of you guys online worshiping with us as well. If you happen to be new to Sunrise right now, either online or here in the service, um, we welcome you. I want to say thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, if you're here in the service, you can scan that QR code in front of you or online. You can click that link that's popping up. Um, we just invite you all to just head to that, our website, through that link or through that form. You'll see a little spot on our page where you can click on that says um, something about being new. You can click on that and fill out a couple questions that we have. You can ask some questions about us, kind of peruse the website while you're there as well. And um, just for filling out that form, filling out a little bit of information, we'd love to send you a gift later this week to say thanks for visiting and hanging out with us. So God is good. We're going to sing um, several songs to start off worship today. A couple of them uh, really speak about um, the words we sing and um, as we worship and as we sing, things change and the atmosphere changes and um, enemies flee when we sing. So as we worship today, embody those words. Um, sing those songs over your life today. Sing those songs over your family as we um, ask for hope and ask for joy in our lives. Why don't you guys stand with us as we worship and sing together.
sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. That silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise, let praise arise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. All fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you.
Let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea. Let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me. Oh, let it rise. Let faith arise. Let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. We cannot survive when we praise you. We're God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. Oh, this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For if they cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side Forever lifts Him high With all creation cry, God, we praise You We'll see You break down every wall We'll watch the giants fall For fear cannot survive when we praise You The God of breakthroughs on our side Forever lifts Him high with all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, oh we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Be magnified. 
sing it out. Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified. Just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody, and every human heart its native cry, oh, then in one enraptured hymn of praise, we sing Christ be magnified. Oh, be In me, singing, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. stand strong and worship you if it puts me through the fire i'll rejoice because you're there too and i won't be formed by feelings i'll hold fast to what is true if the cross brings transformation i'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection life if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you in your rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise. Christ in me singing oh Christ be magnified from the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me singing oh oh Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me Let's pray together. 
God be magnified in us today. It's the words of these songs we uh, cry out with creation. Creation sings your praises, God. And even as a, right now when we step outside, we sing creation coming back to life, springing back to life. And we read in the scripture that even the rocks cry out to you, the oceans roar. Creation longs to be made whole again, for Eden to come back, and Jesus for you to come back one day. When all is restored and all is made new, God, we long for that day. But in anticipation of that day, God, we worship you. We sing and bring you praise. Because God, as we do that, as we, as we praise and as we sing, we know it changes things. It changes our hearts and it draws us closer to your heart, God. The enemy flees. Anxiety and depression lessen as we draw close to you, Jesus. So may we be reminded of that this week. Whenever the enemy tries to push in on us, reminding us of what we lack or what we fail in, May we instead turn to you, Jesus, and sing praise and let that change our hearts. God, we thank you for you, for your love, for your goodness and kindness. We give all these things to you in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, good morning again. It is such a beautiful morning. And um, as Dan mentioned earlier, great to see families here for baptism and the beautiful weather outside. Uh, My name is Carissa Dupuy, and I am a partner here at Sunrise. And I just want to draw your attention to a few announcements, some exciting things we have coming up over the coming weeks. Um, And all of these announcements and the information can be found by either looking at the slide or by scanning your phone on the QR code of the seats in front of you. Um, We are working on putting together a summer events calendar, just some neat opportunities for people to get together and have some fun over the course of the summer, and we're still looking for more input. So if you would like to host an event or if you know of something really neat going on, then you can send an email to the email address on the screen, um, info at sunrisemin.org, and we'd love to get that included. Um, Also, before we get into summer mode, we are going to be hosting another partnership class. And this is just a great way if you want to find out more about the church, um, answer some questions, or excuse me, ask some questions, maybe answer some too, um, get to meet the staff and just hear more about Sunrise, then that's going to be coming up soon. Um, And just it doesn't automatically commit you to anything. It's just a way to find out more information. Lunch will be provided, child care, just a great opportunity to get to know more about Sunrise. Um, And also, next week, probably a lot of us are aware, is Mother's Day, and there are going to be some uh, neat things going on that morning for moms. Um, I guess there are some surprises in store, but also there are going to be some opportunities to get some pictures taken. So, Moms, this is a great reason to tell your kids that they have to dress nicely for church on Sunday if you want them to and come and just 
have a photo taken. Um, also, as Dan mentioned earlier as well, if you are visiting this morning, we would love to get to know you more and also send a gift your way. So if you are watching online, you can just look for that link in the comments section. Otherwise, if you're here in person, again, scan that QR code and um, we'll just have a couple questions for you to help you get connected and to say thank you. To confuse those of you who are visiting for the first time or joining us for the first time online, my name is Dan. Um, I did not suddenly grow a beard and shrink between the time I was over here and here. Um, but thanks for being here this morning. Um, I don't know if you online can hear it or not, but one of the best sounds in this room whenever we're gathered is the sound of kids. Um, if you're here with a child, you're visiting or you've been here for a while, I want you to know, we want you to know that we consider kids to be an important part of who we are. They're not a hurdle to community, but an important part of our community. So if they're walking around, they're making noise, that's okay. We love it. One of the things that we get to do occasionally as a community of people who want to follow Jesus well together is to celebrate the gift of life that comes in the form of a baby. And this has been happening for thousands of years where the people of God come together and bring before the people of God and God himself a child who has been born to say together as the biological family and as the spiritual family around that baby that we want this child to know who God is. And so that's what we get to do this morning. We've got the Deemers who are here. You guys can go ahead and come on up with Brooklyn Joe. I'll go ahead and put her picture up here so you guys can see her. She sneaked up there earlier during one of the songs. Look at that picture. Got Mason and Taylor coming up too. Awesome. And while they're coming up, here are a couple of verses that Brooklyn's parents have chosen for her. Be brave, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. May the Lord give his angels charge over you to guide you in all your ways. I'm going to go ahead and put this on. Good morning, Mason. Good morning, Taylor. It's okay. You don't have to say anything. Jen and Jeff. Is that better there on the inside? Okay. We are excited that there is a new life here in not just your family, but in the life of this church. And so as parents, knowing that you are not perfect, you stand here today as people who are bringing Brooklyn in the presence of these people who are joining us here in person and online to say that Brooklyn is a gift from God. And so a question that we would love to hear an answer to from you is will you do the best that you can to raise Brooklyn to someday come to know and love Jesus in the same way that you do? If you will, say yes. Okay. Partners and family, you guys go ahead and stand up if you want to, because this family cannot raise children on their own. I mean, they can, but nobody really wants to do that. It is good to know that there are people surrounding them who can offer hands of support, who can offer listening ears, who can offer kind words. And we as a community of people want to stand with this family and to together declare two things. And if this is what you want to declare, when I'm done saying these two things, I want you to say, we will. Number one, will you be a people who will do all you can to offer helping hands, listening ears, and encouraging words to Brooklyn, and to her parents. That's number one. Number two, will you, though you are not perfect, do everything you can 
to help this little girl and her siblings know that Jesus is the one who brings life, that he transforms this world with his love and his grace. If you will do that, and if you're joining us online, you can type I will in the comments if you want to. But if you will commit to that, will you say together, I will. We are so excited to see you up here, Brooklyn. We are so excited that you are here with your pretty bracelet. It's beautiful. And your hair tie. Is that what that's called, a hair tie? A barrette? A little bow? Okay. I don't wear them often, so I get confused. <laughs> Brooklyn, we are excited to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would be with this family in ways that are helpful in the sleepless nights, in the high moments of great joy, that you would be with Brooklyn in a way that she can see you in our presence and through the lives and actions of her mom and dad and her siblings. God, thank you for life. Help us to be a people who are living our lives in the direction of you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, now Mason, before you go, I'm going to give you this book, okay? It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And that is for Brooklyn Joe, okay? And Taylor, it's okay. You can hide. <laughs> you guys have a part in this too. You get to do everything you can to help your sister know and love Jesus. We're excited for you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. I guess we can go ahead. You guys want to take pictures? You can. Go ahead and grab a seat. So several of you have been financially and prayerfully partnering with an organization in India called Christ for India. Some of you have been here when you have heard Pastor Abraham speak. If you have, if you know about Christ for India, if you know about Pastor Abraham, would you just shoot your hand up in the air? Okay, yeah, so a good number of us. During this time period where COVID has been very present in our world and we've changed the way that we have been meeting, we have partnered formally as a church with Christ for India. Now, for those of you who don't know about Christ for India, let me catch you up to speed a little bit. Pastor Abraham is a man who is passionate about spreading God's word. He is Indian. He is from India. He lives there. And he has done the hard work of starting a Christian school, Christian college, hospitals, all kinds of different organizations that help people see and know the love of Jesus. Now, in India, the population there is significantly greater than the population here. When they count up all of their people, I learned this from Steve Vanderwerf, when they count up all of their people in a census, their margin of error as they count them is the size of the population of the United States. The place is huge. People there don't often know of Jesus. And so what Pastor Abraham has done is he's got these churches that have started, and he wants to reach the villages, over 600,000 small villages spread out throughout India, people who have never known Jesus' name, people who are following the Hindu gods. And he will send a person from the church and say, you've been called to go here. They don't get together, and the person doesn't get to say, like, if we wouldn't say to Dan Dupuy, okay, where do you want to go to plant a church? And he gets to pick and say, you know what, the east side of Grand Rapids, I'm really feeling it there. No, we would say to him, okay, you're going to go to this place you've never been before, and we're going to pray for you. And that family or single person goes to that village, 
church. And the first person that they are going to get to join their church is likely the person who will beat them up because they are a Christian. The hope is that, and it's bananas that they've realized this is an actual strategy that works, but the pastor who goes to a location, starts to tell people about Jesus, is beaten up by folks who don't embrace the same Jesus that this pastor does, and then at some point in their lives, this person who abused the pastor comes back and says, hey, would you pray for me and my family? We've got some stuff going on. And that person eventually joins the church, and then others do too. So you've got a very difficult ministry structure that is working well. And they're a group of people who move forward without having the full playbook written first. So there are lots of questions, lots of need for prayer, lots of need for relational and financial support. You add on top of that the reality of COVID, which we're not hearing about in our news, how it's impacting India, but they're experiencing over 300,000 cases a day. They just hit 400,000 cases a day yesterday. And they've got almost 4,000 people dying every day. That's a lot of people. This has put Pastor Abraham and Christ for India in an extremely difficult position. Some of these pastors and their families are unable to pay for their spouse to be buried. They don't know how they're going to continue doing what they are on the mission field. And so we, as fellow brothers and sisters of Christ who stand together with Christ for India want to do what we can to help them. Their primary ask is for prayer. Their secondary ask is for financial support. Now, directors, hold on a second here. Bear with me. We are not in a great financial position here at Sunrise. We're a little bit behind budget. But here's the fact of the matter. Our basic needs are being met. Christ for India, they have a significant need for help right now. So I've got a video here that I want to share with you that's from Pastor Abraham, and I'm going to post on Facebook after this is done a link where should you choose to, you can financially contribute to the needs that are going to be expressed here. So here's a video from Pastor Abraham that I believe should play. My dear friends, this is Abraham talking to you all the way from India. Well, you may be in any part of the world, in any country. But India is the headline news on your television, on your news channel. Because as you know, that we are facing the biggest crisis ever, any country has ever seen. It almost looks like the pandemic, the coronavirus has been dumped into India. Would you believe that 390,000 cases every day? Every day. That is not, may not be the realistic uh, data because I don't know whether, where, how will you be able to find the numbers from the remote villages, almost 600,000 villages in the nation of India. But even this number is too high. And what are we facing? People are not able to help. I'm living in the capital city of Delhi. And what about us? There is no oxygen cylinder in any hospital. People are dying in the rickshaws, in the taxis, on the road, because they can't breathe. Can you imagine that? The free oxygen that our God, the Maker, has given becomes so precious. People are saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and they die. There's no beds in the hospital. People are dying all over the place. 
So the dead bodies are taken to the cemetery and they're saying there's no place here. Dead bodies are lined up. There's no place to bury them. And in the cremation grounds, there's mass cremation going on because there's no place to cremate. The incinerator is packing up because too many dead bodies to burn. The saddest thing is, I lost five of my own pastors to COVID. Amazing men, dedicated servants of God. They died just like that. They died within two, three days, they were gone. We just buried on Sunday one of my pastor's wife, 38 years old. Another pastor's son on Monday, 27 years old. I'm getting SOS calls from my pastors. Emergency, every call is an emergency. Somebody wants to bury the dead, they can't even buy their coffin. Somebody is wanting money because they cannot go to the hospital because they can't pay the bills. Calls to buy the coffin, the needs. Where will I go? We are trying to send all the money we can find. Putting my hands up in the air, saying, God, God, how can I handle this? How can we take care of these people? I'm coming to you, my dear friends. Blatantly, I'm asking you two things from you. But we want all the prayers we can find from you. Pray for us. We need every prayer we can find. And the second one is we need finance. Now. We can't wait for another month, another two months. No, friends, we need our finance now to take care of these people who are in need. Please help us. Please help us to reach the lost. Medicines, a burial, oxygen. Help us. God will richly bless you. So if you would like to give to that, <clears throat> there's a link that I just posted on Facebook. Uh, you can pull up your phones and tap that link if you want to. I don't have an easy way to share that with you. Um, Tanner, if you're able, do you mind throwing a link to that up on the announcements page real quick? Uh, that way, anybody in the room, if you want to, you can scan the QR codes. That'll take you to our Facebook, or not our Facebook page, our website where we have all kinds of announcements. Uh, so again, um, we're in a place where uh, we need finances here too. Our bills are being covered. Um, I want to ask you to consider giving to Christ for India. Uh, whether that replaces what you give here, that's up to you and God. Of course, we would love it if what you gave was on top of what you give here. Uh, but this is a community of people who we love, uh, who we want to both give to financially and relationally. And so, God, we come to you as a group of people who see things like this and recognize that the need is too great for us. We cannot meet all of these needs. And so, God, I pray, we pray that you would continue to be with Pastor Abraham and his pastors and their families and the people in India in a way that they can recognize and believe in their hearts and in their heads that you know the number of hairs on their head, and that you are with them, that just like you take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, that you're taking care of them too. And God, i got to admit that for me, this surfaces all kinds of questions about 
where you are and what you're doing, and yet, God, we look at the cross where Jesus was at the lowest point of life and you were with him. You have experienced the deepest, darkest valleys. And so, God, we thank you that you are a God who knows what it looks like to go through such torment, to grow, to go through questioning, to go through agony, to go through a time of life wishing that things could be different. So, God, God we... Uh, we love these people. We pray for endurance, for patience, for health, for recovery, for these children of yours uh, in India, and for Pastor Abraham as well, in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to tell you a story that as far as I know, only three people on this earth know, and I'm one of them. 21 years ago, when I was at Cornerstone University, man, that was a long time ago, whew, I was with some friends in our dorm hall, and uh, back then, all kinds of stuff on the internet was flying around. I mean, I know it flies around now, but like the internet was huge then. It was pretty much new, all kinds of crazy stuff flying around. Well, there was a video that was sent to me that I thought was funny. And you'll know here in just a moment why only three people at this point know this story. It's a video that was making fun of people who have disabilities. And I laughed at that video. And my friends laughed at that video. And so caught up in selfishness, I got on my computer and I sent it to another friend. Some kind of comment like, isn't this funny? And I got no response. Nothing. A couple minutes later, the phone in our dorm rang. A long time ago, phones used to be attached to buildings. I picked up that phone, and it was my friend Peter, who I sent this video to. And he said to me, Dan, that is not funny. He said, my dad has some disabilities. You need to know that that's way out of line. I apologized, tripped over myself apologizing to my friend Peter. And he said, I just want you to know. Have a good day. And he hung up. And I melted into a puddle of tears right there in my dorm room. Because Peter was my friend. And in those moments of thinking about only myself and not caring about other people, I racked up a debt with Peter that was too big for me to pay back. And the guy called me up on the phone and he forgave me for it. I'm just now telling this story (laughs) with any kind of detail to more than two other people Because that's how badly I have felt about those actions. Also at Cornerstone, I had a vehicle that uh, needed to be fixed. So I borrowed a different car from our family and drove it up to Cornerstone. I didn't have one of those stickers that said I was a student on it. So I thought that maybe if I park in my assigned spot, I wouldn't actually get a ticket. So I parked in my assigned spot with no sticker there. I went off to class, came back to check on it, and lo and behold, ticket. Son of a gun. 
So I move my vehicle. Okay, well, if I can't park in the student parking, I'll go park in the visitor's parking lot. So I go and do that. I go off to class, and I come back, and I check. Ticket! Don't these student campus police people know that I go to class with them? (laughs) So I move my vehicle to a circle drive that's kind of there for people who are just going to be there for a short amount of time to park. Because I needed to go there, I needed to go inside, come back out. So I did that. I parked there, I went inside, came back out. Two more tickets on my vehicle. I was livid. I didn't have a cell phone back then. So I go back to my dorm with the phone connected to the wall. And I call public safety. And man, I let them have it. You people, don't you get it? Like, I'm borrowing a vehicle. I'm in a spot where I can't do what you're asking me to do. You're going to try to make me pay you money for these tickets. I'm not going to pay you anyway because you can't make me. Back off. These are two stories that happened back to back at Cornerstone that I'm telling you because I think they highlight extremely well the story that we're going to be looking at today. There's a story in Matthew chapter 18 that Jesus says. Peter came to Jesus, here's a little bit of the context, and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And so right here is our primary cue of what it is that's happening. This is a story, this is a conversation about forgiveness. And Jesus answers and says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is the phrase that we have been looking at over the last few weeks. What does this kingdom of God look like? Because it is a kingdom that has started to unfurl with the death of Christ on the cross, and we are waiting for it to be fully revealed in this world now. So what does this kingdom look like? Well, Jesus tells us it looks like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And so as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, was brought to him. Let's push the pause button here for a second. 10,000 talents might be what your Bible says, or 10,000 bags of gold. Let's kind of do the math. One talent is worth 20 years of wages. So I looked up Genesin and just looked up the per capita income of Genesin. This means the amount of money that if you count up every person and assigned a dollar amount to everybody, you make $30,000. Every one of us is worth $30,000. So times 20, that's $600,000 in Jenison. I didn't type that correctly. But the total gets to $6 billion. $6 billion is what this first servant who comes to the king owes as a debt to the king. Now that amount of money is approximately what this guy Kanye is worth. Six billion big ones. If you grew up watching the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, that's three of this guy, Michael Jordan, who currently is worth $2 billion. This first servant, who's supposed to make things right with the king, this employer who's supposed to, the employee who's supposed to make things right to his employer, has racked up a debt of $6 billion. That reminds me of the debt I racked up with Peter. It wasn't a financial amount of money that I owed him, but I owed him more than I could ever pay. 
So what does this master do? The man who had him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now that's just ridiculous. Six billion dollars, you and I will never make in a lifetime. I mean, Tanner might make that much in his lifetime. Six billion dollars of debt. I don't know about you, but I can easily point to, and I just shared with you a story where I have accumulated so much debt relationally with someone else that there's no way I could pay it back. Jesus is doing something interesting in this story. He introduces another vignette here, Jesus does. He says that when that servant went out, the servant who was forgiven, when that servant went out, he found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins. hundred silver coins. You might say in your Bible, a hundred denarii. That's a one day's wages. If we go back to the $30,000 per capita that all of us are worth, break that down into a daily wage, it's 128 bucks. So this servant, number one, who was forgiven $6 billion worth of debt, goes and finds his coworker, his friend, his cousin, son, spouse, neighbor, And completely forgetting the fact that Peter had forgiven him for sending such an awful video, goes to the public safety people and says, you people are ridiculous. I owe you nothing. What is wrong with you? What happens in this story? We we would hope that it would follow the same pattern as what happened before. Accounts need to be settled. The first person can't pay it. It's forgiven. The first person goes to the second, and it's going to be forgiven, right? Instead, sorry, the text here is really small. I've got to go back here. So when the servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants, here we are, who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees just as the first servant did and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, the first guy, and said, you wicked servant. I canceled the $6 billion debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
Those are not easy words to hear. (laughs) Stories like this are meant to do a couple of things for us. Number one, they're supposed to help us see what the kingdom of heaven looks like, to help us understand what it looks like to live right side up in an upside down world. When God created the world, he made it objectively right. Humans got involved and we decided that we knew what was right and twisted the world upside down and broke it. And Jesus comes to the earth and he says, this is what life should look like on earth. He preaches the Beatitudes. He tells stories about helping someone who's been beaten up alongside of the road. And here we find him telling this story of a man, a person who has been forgiven a debt that they could never, ever pay back. And this points us to the second purpose of this story. This story forces us, if we are a people who listen, to look internally. To look at the places in our lives where we have been that servant, where whether it's been with people or even with God directly, we have incurred such a huge debt that we can't do anything to pay that debt back. Now, those debts can be incurred by thinking that we have all of the answers. If I just have the right checklists, if I just work hard enough, if I just get the best grades, then I am living the life that God wants me to have. If I can just get my kids to do that, then they will be living the life that God desires for them. That, I would like to submit to you, is just as wrong as Adam and Eve saying, if I have things figured out by myself, then I'll make the world right. That incurs a debt because we're saying we can do things that can make the world right in such a way that God will look from his kingdom down at our kingdom and say, I agree with that. That is a perfect representation of me. So perhaps you're one of these people who can look at the story of the servant who's racked up a huge debt with God and think, I haven't done that. I follow the rules. I do the right things. I give in church. I don't swear when anyone can hear me. I don't get drunk. I do all those things because then when God looks at me, he thinks my life is exactly the way that it should be. And that incurs a debt that we can't pay back because we're essentially pointing at God and saying, I down here in my subjective world in a kingdom that is not the way that it should be have everything figured out and so you as the objectively correct, accurate God of the world should look down on me and say, boy, you've got it together. Or maybe you're like me (laughs) where it's very easy for you to imagine how it is you rack up a huge debt with God because you share videos that you shouldn't share. You hold grudges against people. You come here with me and you sing songs that are up on the screen that talk about how God is great and how much we trust him and we love him and we want to talk about him to the people around us and then we go to work and we do the opposite. And it's those cumulative moments of our lives that stick with us in such a way that we don't share those stories with maybe anybody but three people for 21 years. We look at those stories and we think, there is nothing I can do to make it right. But in this story, 
servant who has been forgiven $6 billion is the archetype of all of us who claim to follow Jesus. All of us who have said to Jesus, to God, I cannot fix my life and I need you in the way your kingdom looks to invade my life and forgive me. Scripture tells us that when we fall on our knees, when we demote our idea of ourselves enough to submit to God's idea of the way things should be, we submit to say that Jesus is God himself who has come to show us the path to God. God looks at that and he says, you know what? You're forgiven. That's all you need. And that feels great. It is wonderful to know that no matter how huge our debt was, that when we come to the king of the kingdom and we say, God, I cannot pay this back, would you forgive me? Would you take care of that for me? He does it. Now, I don't dance very well. But inside, man, when that kind of stuff happens, I'm dancing. Like, I might, like, I've got, I grew up Baptist. So, like, during song time, some of you guys see me. Like, this is, this is good Baptist worship. You online can even see how awesome this is. But, man, on the inside, I am a party when we're singing great songs. I say that because some of us, we... Externally, we can raise our hands during songs. We can say with our words and with our hearts that God is good as we sing songs and we can live lives where we say that is true as well. We can become a walking advertisement of what this exchange where we have been given so much forgiveness looks like. And we can bring that to the people around us and say, if you only knew the king that I know, your debts could be covered just like mine are. Problem is, <laughs> we become a people who think that, nah, you only fell down on one knee. Man, you really said some mean things to me. You voted differently than I do. I heard you swear once. You cheated on your spouse. Ah, I don't know. I think you're going to have to do some groveling. I don't know who you've done that with. I've done that. I've done that with my wife. You only washed the dishes twice last week. I did it three times. Your job. With my kids. Guys, come on. I'm just trying to sleep. Leave me alone. The story is trying to help us see, trying to help me see, is that with God's forgiveness in our lives for the huge debts that we have racked up with him, we've received so much grace that we are too rich to not share it with other people. The kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of this world where we accumulate all that we can to make ourselves better. 
We do that with our money. We do it with baseball cards. We do it with cars in the driveway. We do it with friends. We do it with likes on Facebook. And God forbid we do anything that would reveal in any way that we've done something wrong. And as soon as somebody does something wrong, they misstate something in a sermon, or you disagree with their political stance, or they post something on Facebook that you don't like, and we pounce on that. And we say, how dare you? We say things like, get your heart right with God. What's wrong with you? And we break fellowship with people. And when we do those things, we are just like the servant who has been forgiven a lot, who walks over to someone else who has done something so insignificant. We want to choke him out. Jesus tells this story to his disciples, to Peter, to us, answering the question, how many times should we forgive someone? And in his answer, Jesus reveals two things. One, it's about quantity. You've got to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Seven times, that's a lot. Like, you steal my lunch out of the fridge seven times. Penny, where are you? She's never done this. But doggone it, if she did that seven times, I would not be happy. I would not want to forgive her eight through 49 times. But according to Jesus, that's what this kingdom that we are a part of, that we subscribe to, is supposed to look like. So a couple tough questions for you. How many times are you going to forgive that child of yours who lies? How many times are you going to forgive that spouse of yours who just doesn't do what they said they were going to do? How many times are you going to forgive a person in the church who's trying to understand things and asks questions that drives you nuts? How many times... Should you forgive them if you want to live right side up in an upside down world? A bunch of times. There's quantity involved. But in this story, there's also quality involved. Jesus doesn't just say, forgive people seven times, 70 times, as long as they only incur $1,000 of debt. Once we get up to 4000 eh, maybe seven times, two times. And he uses an outrageous number of $6 billion to point out the fact that there is nothing that the God of heaven cannot forgive. And so if there is something that we ourselves cannot forgive, then we are not living the way that the king of our lives lives. And so there should be nothing that cannot be forgiven. Now that brings with it a whole host of questions. What does forgiveness look like? What do consequences look like? What do boundaries look like? But what if, just what if there was a God of heaven who decided that the way things should be in a church is that someone who has a CSC is able to be fully involved in the church? Where a person who is addicted to heroin, to pornography, to LSD, to gambling, to gossip is welcome in the church? Where every time they come to this place, into your small group, into your house, they can see, they can be reminded again that they are just as flawed as you are and no more. And that the God of heaven who you claim to follow here in West Michigan is the same God who can love them the same. What would it look like if we were to take God up on what this kingdom of heaven looks like. 
I would suggest to you that it would mean there are people in our church who struggle with certain things would be able to say to a small group of people, I'm having a difficult time with this. When's the last time that's happened in a small group that you've been in? Top results, I like that. I would submit to you that people would know that they're not alone. You know as well as I do. For me, when I sent that video to my friend, I felt like the belly of a worm was higher up in this world than I was. and That I was all alone. Some of you are struggling with things that you, make you feel at least that bad. What if this was a place where instead of saying, you've got to fix that before you come in here, You've got to grovel a little bit more. We were willing to say as Jesus lived and died and represented in his kingdom a way of life that says, you already know you shouldn't have done that. Why don't we work on trying to walk through this? That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. God, we're a broken people. (laughs) We... We've racked up debts far greater than we can ever pay back. We've said things, we've done things, we've done things we never thought we would do. We've done again the things that we said we would never, ever, ever, ever do. We've thought that we have life figured out and the people around us don't. God, in all of that, we create all kinds of relational fallout with ourselves, with our God, our family, our friends, our church. God, that's not how we want to live. (laughs) I mean, that's the way that the world wants us to live, is to hold grudges, keep count, make ourselves look great. But God, it's very clear in this story that in your kingdom, you desire us to be a people who are willing to fall on our knees and come to you and say we don't have things figured out. And as we do that, it would propel us to allow other people to do the same so that we can offer forgiveness, that we can bring them to you and show them that you bring such forgiveness to them too. God, we pray for your strength in this. And I want to, for those of you who are watching online, for those of you who are in the room, I just want you to take a moment real quick. Probably during the course of this conversation, you've thought of a few things that either you've done or you haven't done that have created a gap between you and God or you and other people. I just want you to think about that for a minute and I want you to, to hold it in your hands, to, to squeeze onto that. I don't know how many things it is. Maybe it's one thing that keeps you up at night that you're ashamed of. Maybe it's 50 things. I want you to hold that tightly in your hands because I think that's what we do in our hearts and in our minds when we want to hold those things extremely tightly and not give them up. As you're squeezing those hands tightly, I want you to feel the fatigue in your hands and the pressure on your fingers. And I want you to open your hands. I want you to open your hands to help remind you that the release that comes when we can give those things to God and say, I can't hold this in anymore. I cannot pay this back. I cannot make this up. It relaxes our forearms, our hands. It relaxes our hearts. 
I want you to close your hands one more time. And squeeze them as tightly as you did before. I want you to think about the things that you've been carrying with you that other people have done to you. Your kids who have disobeyed. Your spouse who didn't vacuum when they said they were supposed to. The person down the street who ran into your car or whatever it is. You have an opportunity to keep walking with your hands tight around those situations. You have have an opportunity to relationally, to use the words in this passage, choke them out. You can do that. And in doing that, you can choose to not align yourself with the kingdom of God, or you can release your hands. And recognize that just as you are holding things against them, you and God have had an opportunity to hold things against you, and yet through Christ, it's been let go of. I don't know what your week looks like, but I want you to take a moment here and just think about that. Who are the people you're going to come in contact with? Who are the people who are tied to those offenses against you that you've been holding on to tightly? And at this point, you've got to make a choice. What are you going to do? You're going to continue to hold on to that and do exactly the opposite of what the God of heaven has done for you, or will you open your hands? And I want to suggest that there's not a way to cop out here. There's not a way to just not to, to decide. Because not to decide yes is to decide no. Jesus pushes all of us to the point of needing to answer the question in our daily lives, will we live upright in an upside-down world? God, we know that we can only do these things because of your Son. We can only forgive folks because of how you've forgiven us. It's because of your Son alone, the one that we find our redemption in, that we can offer any kind of redemption, reconciliation to the people around us. And so we sing this song in part to confess that, to confess our hope in you. drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are stilled when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I sing
you guys stand with us? great power to require that people fit our demands of what life should look like. 
to submit ourselves to the demands of our Father. He says that life looks like us resting in the power of Christ that offers forgiveness. So this week, as you go into life, as you interact with people at home or at work or wherever it is who have racked up a debt with you, may you stand firmly in the power of Christ that offers his forgiveness. This week, Donna Donna Stelma passed away. Donna is a woman who has loved this church well in the background. She's made meals. If you've gotten a pot pie meal from Sunrise, it was from her. She passed away. Tuesday, we'll come together here at 1 o'clock to celebrate her life and to mourn her death. Father, we come to you today as a people who need your hope, your love, and your grace from the moment we are born. And we are dedicated and we grow up and go through school and we come to know you and we have families of our own and we invest in other people and even when we pass. So God, I pray that you would be with these parents and family who are setting out to raise another child in your direction that she would be close to the hearts of those who are mourning today the loss of a friend, the loss of a loved one who are going through difficult times. God, would you remind us that your power in Christ is with us today as we go through these things. God, we love you. We thank you for your care for us. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great week, Sunrise. We love you.